DJ and PK is brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. DraftKings has the Utes set up for eight wins next year. Over or under? Yeah, PK and I both landed on eight and four, but since they didn't go with the half, and you got to go one way or the other, you think nine's more likely than seven. I think seven's more likely than nine. Injuries tear teams apart. If they decide to go with a younger, less experienced quarterback, uh, there's a learning curve. It can pay off as we've watched the Utes over the last three years and watched you know, the, the passing game improve and the offense improve. It can pay off over time, but they were 7-6 and six starting a sophomore quarterback. So between that and between the chance that uh, injuries can gut anybody's football season, I'll take seven is more likely than nine. But... What do the people say? People have been lining up on this one. And PK, a lot of them went to an answer neither one of us went to. And that is, uh, Michael, eight wins could realistically be an undefeated season. Bird, the over-under right now should be if we're even going to play eight games. Seems borderline. And uh, Lugie's dad, heck of a name there. Uh, What is, there's not going to be a season for 500, Alex? So a lot of people don't even want to debate what's going to happen in a 12-game season because they don't think the 12-game season is going to happen. Well, good for them, but they, they don't know. So why are they acting like that? that's a fact? Because that's not a fact. Uh, I'm going to go on the premise that they're going to play in one form or another, and they're going to play 12 games. There's too much money at stake. Uh, the, the, the NBA hasn't used the word canceled yet, have they? I don't believe they have. And so... Uh, maybe it's not the traditional first week of September, last week of August to uh, Thanksgiving and then uh, playoff or a post postseason tournament uh, coming up in December. Uh, so maybe it's not the traditional format, but I'm going to be under the premise that they're going to play and, and until I hear otherwise. And no one has said that they're not going to play. And that, so and what's the point of discussing that? If that happens in time, there'll be plenty of that stuff. I think, I think people listening to our station want to hear some fun talk. They want to hear some sports talk. They don't need to turn on the news, and we don't need to be educating people on what to do and constantly. I mean, there's a point in doing that, and we do do that. We just had Ryan Smith on to talk about that. There's no problem with that. But I don't think they're listening to us to go four hours of uh, NPR, basically, or KSL or whomever it might be. So they do their thing, we do our thing, and right now we're on the premise that there is football and we're going to have some football talk because I think that's what people want. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they want to be I don't told think you to are. stay inside and I, do all I that don't stuff. Think you are. Uh, in passing, you know, in, a segment, uh, a mention here or there, fine, because we're part of real life too. But over the course yeah. of four hours, they don't want to be hammered with it for four hours because if you just want to jump into the deep end of the pool and absorb all that info for four hours, it's like you said, there's a bunch of places you'd go before you came here. They come in here for a reason. Right. And if I wanted that, you bet your bottom dollar that I'm locked down on Channel 2. <laughs> Thank you, PK. <laughs> All right. DraftKings, over under, eight this season. You going over or under? Uh, Travis says, under. Utah is by far and away the worst college football program in the history of the NCAA. <laughs> I'd I'd agree with that. At least BYU has a championship. (laughs) The only reasons why Utah beats BYU, or for anybody for that matter, is the refs. Their statistical team is a bunch of cheaters. Their fans are cheaters. And the color red, well, they're red because they believe in the devil. 
but BYU will prevail. God will, pre- God will prevail. BYU's greatest collegiate sports school in the history of the NCAA. This is God's team. So now, is Travis a Cougar or is Travis a Ute who's making fun of the Cougars by mocking with the over-the-top? Give me Aggie for 200. Oh, Aggie. Here goes Aggie. And? No. I think he's a Ute. Uh, I'm looking at the profile right now. Uh... Former line cook and sous chef at Chartwell's Dining Services, University of Utah. So he worked at the U. Uh, he went he's to Murray High. Fan. He lives in Salt Lake. He's from Murray. That, that's a Utah fan trying to make a point, point. by yep. going over hammering, the top. Going over the top and hammering BYU. Yeah, I, I can sense that. And so that's what he's saying. I mean, Utah, from a, a Pac-12 standpoint... I can't say they're rolling because they haven't won a conference title yet, but they have been a top two or three program the last couple of years. I don't think you can argue that, and they've got it going on. I mean, credit to Kyle and his guys for finding the dev- talent and developing the talent, and they have a knack for that. Clearly they do. They're going to send so many guys to the NFL this year uh, that uh, – Normally, I would say they're going to have to rebuild, and they are going to have to rebuild to an extent, but it's not just exclusively about them. It's the competition, and I look at the South, and so there's five other teams because they don't play themselves, obviously, and there's five other teams. Well, of those five, for next season, for this upcoming season right now, I can only legitimately say the arrow is up for two of the five. Yeah. The other I gonna, three, yeah. I can't. I'd say it different, but I'm saying the same thing. I think you look at the six teams in the South, and three of them have their act together. The program has their act together. And three of them, uh, doesn't look so good. Now, maybe Helton, and I know I know they want to win national championships, so they hate Clay Helton. But is Clay Helton going to run out of 4-8 and eight team? I don't think he's going to. Now, he may run out a 9-3 and three team, and they may hate him for it. He may run out a 10-2 and two team, and they're going to be mad because he loses to Alabama and Notre Dame. So that's all on the table. But you start getting to 8, 9, or 10 wins, you're at least running a competent program. And granted, they got built-in advantages. Maybe UCLA, out of UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado, I think UCLA is the one who's most likely to this is a year where they cross that threshold from we don't have our act together to, okay, now we got it going. But right now, I don't think you can say that. I think there's three teams trying to find themselves, and there are three teams that have it going and know what they're doing. So it seems like, worst-case scenario, ASU and Utah and USC ought to go 3-2 and two in the South, worst-case scenario. And obviously somebody's going to do better than that because what happens when those three play each other? Whoever wins those games ought to really be set up. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would list uh, two games – as a toss-up, I would list the ASU one as less of a toss-up, and I would list the SC one as more of a toss-up, meaning it's going to be harder because SC is returning a ton of talent. And, and, you know, they they lost the one receiver, but they got like five of the guys <laughs> that are just ready ready to go, you know? you know? And so maybe down the line they said they had a crappy recruiting class this year, so maybe in a year or two it might catch up to them. But I right. don't think this year – I, I, I totally think agree with that. I think and, they're going to be good. 
if it does catch up with them, it catches up because they have injuries and it exposes them because they don't have a lot of freshmen they can just plug in, and in the past they've been able to do that. So I think if you were playing them game 10, 11, 12, you might be able to sit here and say, well, let's see what they look like when they get there because I'm not sure this team has a lot of depth. But when you're playing them on that first Friday in October, which the Utes are at home, uh, they're more likely to have their frontline talent, and their frontline talent's going to be good. Is that conference weekend? Is that what they're doing? It's SC and Utah conference weekend? Is that a rivalry now? Only when it's in Utah. Uh, I think when it's at SC, oh. the date has moved around, but it does seem like they've gotten that Friday night. I think what happens is you, the, the schools, uh, we could have Chris Hill on because I think he had a conversation when they first went in the Pac-12, and I don't know that it's changed much, but they, they need everybody to say, hey, give us a Friday you can play. And so the Utes gave them a Thursday and a Friday because they said we'll play our opener on Thursday and we'll play on this Friday, which was right before conference weekend. And the fact that you're not only willing to do it, but you're willing to do it at home, uh, so they just latch on to that right away. Well, SC doesn't want to play conference Saturday either. You know, That's I mean? the surprising thing to me is that it's always been the USC game that gets plugged in there. Um, and Why? it's never anybody else. Southern California has a temple, buddy. They've got multiple. <laughs> yes, they do. You're right. Good call. So does Northern California. But you don't see Stanford and Cal in that date very often. Was Cal in that date though? Was Cal in that date that year when they were but when um, they sent game day here? They were both like three and zero or four and zero or something like that. I don't know if that was that week or if it was a week before. I have to go back and look that up. And I, I think you're wrong. I don't think Northern California has multiple temples, buddy. Really? Get up, get up to date on your temple locations. Yuck! There's multiple. Boom! Where? San Francisco, Yuba City. And... San Francisco has one. Where? Well, Oakland, I guess. The Bay Area. Well, that, that ain't San Francisco, okay. buddy boy. Bay Area, I- Oakland. <laughs> so Northern California. Where is Yuba City exactly, for people who don't know their Northern California geography? <laughs> Help me out with that. You guys are both California guys. Oh, he doesn't know. Okay. He, just, he just made that up. They don't have I did one. not make it up. They don't have one. You're thinking of Masonic Temple. <laughs> Masonic <laughs> Temple. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of just making things up. <laughs> I would bet that there are multiple Masonic temples in Northern California. <laughs> okay, Yuba City looks like it's like uh, 45 minutes north of Sacramento. Okay. Which is pretty much the middle of nowhere. You're halfway to Chico. No I think way. Sacramento might, Sacramento 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 might Sacramento even have a, a temple, yeah. So. All right, well, that gives Yach something to Google during the breaks. I'll give you Sacramento, but I ain't giving you Yuba City. <laughs> 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 it's just not uh, am I the only person here who's driven north out of Sacramento because I live there and I wandered out there one day? It, you get north, it turns, it turns into farmland really quickly. All right, PK, it's officially going to be called the Feather River California Temple, but it will be built in Yuba City. Oh, boom, okay, don't but that, argue with you. So it's, no, but it's not even there yet. So I stand correct. It's on stand, its way. I'm correct. Uh, it, I said they only have one in Northern California, and I am right. So poo, poo, a triple poo on but you. We win after all, because Sacramento does have a temple, so multiple in Northern California. All I was going on was it, the BYU-Cal football game when Crow was coaching. They went out there, and it looked like there were ten or 12,000 Cougar fans well, there. That's normally what they pull in California regardless. Hence, ergo, therefore. Yeah. Thank you.
No, you guys are wrong. I don't care what <laughs> you're just that. wrong. PK, stand your ground. Never PK. use facts. <laughs> never, never flinch, PK. Just keep talking. Just no way. So back to my Utes. You guys always trying to bring the conversation back to the Cougars. It's who you are. It's what you do. Back to my Utes. James I says under. Under on the eight wins. Utah has no quarterback. No experience running back and no O-line. It's a recipe for disaster. Okay, they do have an O-line. They got four of the five starters back. They are missing the left tackle, which is Kyle Winningham when he joined us a few weeks ago said that is the most important. That's the blind side for a right-handed quarterback. And also the O-line's got to be better. They've got to improve. They can't just come back. They have to be better. They weren't good enough, especially in short yardage situations. Uh, yeah, but they weren't be- better enough, good enough in short, short, blah, 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 good enough in short yardage situations against who? Uh, boy, fourth and short. Kyle gave us the stat. It was it was bad. Um, everybody. Well, they weren't good on fourth and short against Oregon. They weren't good on fourth and short against Arizona. They won the game anyway, but they got stoned at the goal line right before halftime. Uh, those are a couple of them. The second half of the season, mind. they were really bad on fourth and shorts. Yeah. We can go back and listen well, to that Kyle segment. He gave us the number on what it was on fourth and one or fourth and two, something like that. He had the numbers right there when he talked to us. He knew them. He knew them cold. Okay. So the four times they get in that situation, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, Steven's taking the over. He's going to take nine wins. No slip-ups. Win the games you're supposed to. Get those six in the bag for sure. Uh, Jeffrey says, over, I do see a loss to USC, and the Utes will also lose to someone they shouldn't. But Washington has a new coach, coach and a new quarterback. Washington State has a new coach. Chip Kelly is still rebuilding. ASU lost a lot of skill players, and Colorado's got a new QB and a new coach. It's a good year for the Utes to have some new blood. Well, ASU lost two skill players. I don't know that they lost a lot of them, but they lost two. Hey, are they going to plug in another really good running back? You know their roster better than we do. I mean, they've, they've had a really good running back for two years, but Benjamin's off now. He is off, yeah. Uh, they've got uh, like 18 guys out of California, and they got a guy. We're all excited about this Clark Phillips because he passed up Ohio State. Well, they got a running back out of Ohio, not California, but out of Ohio, who passed up Ohio State. And Herm Edwards is determined to run the football. So they're going to be able to run the football. That's like saying uh, Mike Leach has a new quarterback. Is he going to be able to throw the ball? Well, yes, he's going to be able to throw the ball because that's what they do. And it's the same thing with Utah. And Utah lost a four-year guy, but are we concerned about them being able to run the football? No, because that's what they do. So I wouldn't worry about that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. According to a survey released yesterday by Lead One, an association of athletic directors from 130 major college football schools, 63% forecast a worst-case scenario in which their revenues decreased by at least 20% during 
the 2020-2021 school year. Even an abbreviated football season would cause schools to lose that much. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady is leasing Derek Jeter's waterfront mansion on Davis Islands, right outside downtown Tampa, in a short drive to the Bucs facility. The 30,000-square-foot home sits on three lots, features seven bedrooms, nine bathrooms, entertainment, and billiards rooms, along with a boat dock. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. George Niang joins us. You've got guys that are making $32 million, and then you got guys that are making minimum in the league, and their mindsets are different. Is it going to be tough to get everybody on the same page to get this season moving forward? Uh, you know, if, if you haven't noticed, Hans, uh, NBA players love their money. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> if we have a chance to play, guys are going to be playing. You know, guys don't want to see money left on the table, and I think you got to be able to, you know, stretch it out and try to do as much as you can to make sure that we play the games without, you know, interrupting, you know, people's health and disrupting lifestyles. But, you know, I think guys are really eager to play, especially, you know, when you're sitting at home. And I know guys have wives and kids that you know, I'm sure that they love, but I'm sure they're excited to get out of the house when this all goes down. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Going to talk a little jazz basketball here with David Locke, radio voice of the jazz, in just a minute. PK and I waiting patiently for the NBA to announce that they're going to restart the season in Vegas. It does seem like Vegas is the plan that they are locked in on. But when will they restart? Uh, The billion-dollar question right there. Everybody waiting for that. NBA basketball can't come soon enough, PK. Well, nothing can come soon enough. I think that that's the next on the agenda because right now we would be a week away from the start of the postseason. And so postseason, I think, is where it's at. I think that we as a country now and sports fans, we're postseason junkies. I know I am. No matter what the postseason is, I enjoy all of them. And so this is now the time. And it's not here. It's being taken away. And last month was March Madness, and that's already gone, and it's not coming back. But the NBA has... Put a, given us some hope that it will return in some form. So we are eagerly anticipating its return, whenever that might be. And we're, we're waiting for news of its return. I think that's what we're looking for now, news of its return, and saying we're going to shoot for fill-in-the-blank date. And if it's one month, if it's two months, whatever it might be, then that will give us some sort of anticipation countdown. Right now, we don't have any of that. Forget about games. We don't even have that. It's going to return on X date, and we're going to do two exhibitions uh, and three games, whatever it might be, whatever the format is. And we don't have any of that. So, yeah, we're eagerly anticipating the return of all of that stuff. A set date would be good. It just doesn't seem possible to provide right now. You know, Mark Cuban kind of went out there and uh, had June 1st and had his over or under, but he seems to be walking that back now. And then they saw the NFL, and they provided a – they had the – well, it was even just – I guess it was just yesterday, wasn't it? That um, 
Jeff Pash, the league's general counsel, said that uh, the expectation is to begin the regular season scheduled in September. And 24 hours later, the chief medical officer is saying, well, there's certain prerequisites that have to be met. So every time someone starts to walk out on a limb, then they take two steps back because it's just it's too early to know. All right, DJ and PK, time to bring in David Locke right now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Hey, PK, how are you? Great. I'm curious. Nice to chat with you. <laughs> I'm I'm curious now because you're in the ski community, and I know that the um, the resort shut down and the lifts stopped running. But is there still enough snow? Are there still the occasional uh, hardworking soul who will hike to the top of the mountain and then uh, ski down? There's always a few yeah, it's, cores. it's actually the mountains. Uh, if you look at them, there's tracks everywhere. Um, my son and some of his friends have probably done some. You're not. I don't think it's uh, the mountain. They're not um, policing it, but they've asked you not to climb the uh, mountains. The you know even though they're closed, um, but I think that they're not. They're not policing it. Really, um, there, there isn't real danger to it if you don't know what you're doing, and if you go into steep areas and uh, the snow conditions aren't probably great. Um, but it's a good way to get outside and get some exercise. Well, so we're not going to do that. We're going to sit here and just contemplate when things are going to return. Are you hearing anything that you can amplify on this Vegas stuff? I'm not. Um, not anything more than what anyone's read. I haven't talked to anyone to have any great insight on it. Um, you know, I think it from just uh, deducing logically to, which is, I guess, what deduction is, um, it's the only option uh, that's got any viability. Now, what level of viability I think is probably up for debate and probably uncertain at this point. Um, but I certainly have glommed onto it. It's it's the glimmer of hope of how you can realistically kind of consider getting basketball back out. I do think uh, Adam Silver's comments the other day to Rachel Nichols about, you know, having a role in society's recovery. Um, I, I do think basketball's got the chance to do it first. Uh, in the sense that you, you really can't just make two ice rinks in the middle of a hotel. Um, and so you can't, I don't think the NHL can suddenly do what the NBA can do, which is do what the G League showcase did and head down to Mandalay Bay and turn two ballrooms into basketball courts and, you know, play eight games a day and, and suddenly get games in. Um you know, certainly Major League Baseball can't do that. And the only equivalent Major League Baseball could probably try to do uh, would be, and you know this better than I do, PK, would probably be to send everybody to Arizona. But I don't think there's quite the hotel capability to keep everyone quarantined in the same way. And I don't think that there's enough fields for them to get 15 games off a day. Um, maybe there are. That's what they would have to do. They, you know, baseball really plays every day. So maybe there's eight fields, and they could play two games a day on every field, and one day game and one night game, and they could get it done. Um, and so maybe that's a, a similar model for baseball. But I don't know about the cap- the housing capabilities. There's so many more people um, around baseball than there are around basketball. So I do feel like basketball has the chance to be the first to get going again, if if in fact it it comes together that way. So the theory being you just take over a whole hotel since there's so much space and so many hotels now, so, you don't even bus people? So, yeah, I've, I've talked to a few people about this just because I've, what I've just done, I didn't go to the G League showcase, and so 
what the G League showcase was, was it was at Mandalay Bay in Vegas, and they set up two courts. There were no fans. It was a scouted event only. They had two TV crews, um, two TVs uh, set up so that the games were on YouTube and Facebook Watch and, and NBA TV. Um, and then they had the arena, they had the inside set so that you're, you know, it's just there. So you could do that. And I, I don't know how many beds Mandalay Bay has, but I'm going to guess enough to probably house the entire grouping. Um, so, you know, that, uh, you know, I, that's the way you would do it. They, they had 30 teams down there, so they've kind of done it already. Uh, Mandalay Bay, uh, I was trying to find it, uh, convention center. So um, the Mandalay Bay, uh, I don't have it. Sorry, I was just trying to see how many hotel, how many rooms are in the um, Mandalay Bay, and I, I just have what their convention center would hold. But. Hey. Plus the Mandalay Bay, I think you don't even have to go outside. You can walk over right. to Lu- the Luxor. I think there's a, it's a, the big. So you walkway. can connect. Yeah, you know Vegas by better night. Yeah. So you could connect those two um, together, and then. But the you know then there's all sorts of problems, right? So you know it takes a hundred people to put on a TV um, broadcast and. Then you've got all the other people and the officials, and, and you just have a lot of people, and you've got to quarantine them, and how long are they willing to be quarantined, and things like that. Mandalay Bay has 3,200 uh, hotel rooms. Um, yeah. So you probably, with 3,200 hotel rooms, could I, I'm doing the math, could probably house the entire NBA. Well, I think everything changes to at that point. You know, people are like, well, then you'd have the media. And I'm like, well, I think you're down to three pool reporters. And you just do a press conference like the NCAA does with three or four pool reporters. And it's beamed out. There would be no local media. Channel 2 would never yeah, go I'm not to this. Sure. I'm not sure you'd even have that. I think uh, you might just uh, have, Zoom call- you have Zoom calls with your me- and after every game. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm just making it up. Yeah. I don't think you do know that. Put the press conferences on, on uh, satellite and on the, on the web and let everyone just grab it, and there you go. Yeah. I mean, you'd be, it'd be a skeleton crew, and, and so then, you know, there's just a lot of questions. Do you play regulars? There's, it, but, you know, what's so fun about the questions is that there's actually this – is, there is a scenario here where – so what, what we're talking about, you know, the point is that, like, you start to think about this, and it's viable, right? So um, traveling to – 30 teams traveling across the country is not viable. Um, Every city in the NBA being free of coronavirus to a level that it's safe to go in and out of those towns and the people want to go in and out of those towns is not viable. Um, You know, Toronto's already said June 30th, so you couldn't start anything until July 1. Um, Having entire traveling parties in and out of everywhere the way we regularly do is probably not viable right now. So what is you know, what is nice about this Vegas scenario is that you can kind of glom onto it as a possibility. Now, you know, there's a million things that are difficult about it as well and how, how it's going to be done. But it is, you can see the framework by which you can start to put it together and try to have basketball at some point. Do you think you can do anything in Arizona, PK, for baseball? Well, they certainly have enough fields with all the spring training complexes. I mean, the, you know, there's 
they all have stadiums and plus they've all got backfields. To what level do they do it as far as all that other stuff that you're talking about, the traveling parties? And, you know, they couldn't be all centrally located. I mean, spring training now, uh, as far as what they've got, uh, Arizona versus Florida, what I've heard is that people prefer prefer the Phoenix situation because the the most you're going to do is an hour bus ride. As in Florida, it's spread out all over the state. It used to be in the old days that they would have some down in Huma and Palm Springs and whatnot. Well, that's all now down in Tucson. That's all centralized in the Phoenix Valley area, but it is spread out. So I don't know that you can do that to the degree. It seems like with basketball, that would be much easier to accomplish if that's what they decide to do. But who knows with the baseball situation because it's a much bigger situation and obviously they don't have hotels and you couldn't house everybody in one place. I don't think they have that capability the way they do in Vegas. Vegas is the obvious choice for obvious reasons. We all understand that. So I don't know that they can do it to the level that they're going to do it in basketball. They'd also have to have a different TV crew for every field. So if they're using eight fields and playing two games a day on every field, that you know increases that whole element of you know by six times, you know, four times more people than baseball. And right. And the other thing on you know, I I would suspect that if you go do you do anything like this, you're really expecting the players to be quarantined, and then you know, are they not allowed to have family around? Like, well, I don't. I would I would suspect there's all sorts of new crazy rules. That, but who knows? We're not, you know, we're not there yet. And you know, let's realize also that every report we have is that the country is about to go through, you know, three or four weeks of the worst of this. That we're nowhere near. And if you, particularly if you're following some of the numbers in the South and and those areas um, that haven't necessarily, you know, shelter in place yet, that there's still going to be an enormous spike across this country, and we're not totally immobile yet. So it still can spread you know, back and forth from places that have had outbreaks and then have a secondary outbreak. We we could still be, you know, I think this conversation feels, in Utah, feels okay right now because our state seems to be doing, and particularly in Salt Lake and Summit County, a particularly good job of, of curtailing this. Um, and now, you know, that's that's one thing. But if you're holding this conversation in New York right now or in New Orleans or in Detroit, I think, or Miami, I think it would feel really silly. Um, and I think we're going to have more of that over the next two and a half weeks, three weeks from every indication and every, frankly, paper that was written before this all started kind of said exactly that. So um, it might be a conversation that feels less viable in three weeks than it does right now, unfortunately. And I think to take that point and go even further is that what will really matter is what does it look like in Vegas? Because if most of the country it's going pretty well, but it's going poorly in Vegas, then it's not a good idea for Vegas. And if most of the country, you know, is a mixed bag, but Vegas is in great shape, then maybe it's a little more doable. So I think the NBA is probably going to be... uh, probably analyzing that for you know multiple markets, but if Vegas is the one you're going to, you really got to focus on what's going on in Southern Nevada. My feeling on what happened in Vegas, Vegas shut down pretty quickly, right? I mean, Vegas really could have been a disaster, and it feels as though that they shut it down fairly quickly. I haven't followed what the news is there recently, but I, I do recall them. You know, we we in Summit County had a similar circumstance, I and mean, we had. And if you looked at Andy Larson, had that story in the Salt Lake Tribune about the, the 10 counties that had the highest per capita cases, they were four New York counties, Mardi Gras, and four ski towns. 
And those were the, you know, so it was Aspen, Vail, Breckenridge, and and Summit County, Park City. Um, you know, the credit of the people here at Summit County, they jumped, holy smokes, they shut this place down in about four hours. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to be really thankful that they did because with the amount of transient people and also I think the amount of people that were leaving their their hotbed locations to try to come here to get away from it that they kind of asked not to do it um i think was pretty important so you know i felt like vegas was on on that line of acting pretty quickly well i have some folks in vegas uh, that i know and visit uh, quite often for some other reasons and uh, a woman was telling me that uh, she travels across town for work and what took 45 minutes now takes about 10 minutes to get to work. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about the Vegas shutdown. There's been no question about that, that that has happened. My, my thought for you is that, you know, we've been talking with the colleges and how some of this stuff, and we had Chris Hill on. He came in studio last week or the week before, whenever it was, and that they could be some real serious reform in college athletics and the idea of doing all this stuff that is extravagant turns out with the availability of of, uh, communications and technology that maybe you can recruit a little bit differently and so there's areas uh, and ways that you can improve to save some money and not reduce the product do you think any of that stuff i don't know what it might be but do you think any of it can come through the nba come from it for the nba that maybe they can do stuff a little bit differently and still be as effective interesting question um I don't know. I don't. Well, I would say this: if they can pull off this Vegas thing, it's also the framework of a pretty neat something else at some point during the season, right? Yeah, the NBA Super Bowl week that happens instead of the All Star Game, and maybe all teams go down for a you know single elimination tournament, or I don't know something something of a different ilk. Um, but if if they prove that they can. Do this isn't probably exactly what you're talking about, but if they prove they can suddenly put 30 teams in the NBA and pull off. Now there's, you know, and then you'd have to you're doing it without fans. So, but that might be fine, frankly, if that that turns out to be something that's um, acceptable for that kind of model of an event. Um, you know, that that might be a really neat thing that they pull off. Um, from a scouting standpoint, uh, I guess Zoom conferences, like you're talking about, seem differently than recruiting. Um. From uh, you know, I, I I don't I you know I think coach touch and uh, coach interaction is pretty important on player development. So I'm not sure what happens there. Um, the one I, I maybe I'm reading this guy's differently than you are on the college part. There was an article in Axios today, and the amount of college they interviewed like a hundred college athletic directors, and the amount that were like, oh, we have the financial reserves to handle this. I was like, what? Like, I don't want them all to go bankrupt, but, like, when they're talking about, like, yeah, we got the financial reserve, how much money do they have stockpiled? It depends on the school. Uh, we were talking with Chris Hill, and he said Nebraska was sitting on $100 million that they could get through this. But at the same time, UCLA and Cal... Can I ask a question? UCLA and Cal... Hold on. UCLA and Cal no, no, have an I, enormous I, amount of debt. This is what I debt. want. I want this answer from every AD right now. If you've got $100 million stockpiled, why in gosh darn's name are you taking student fees? 
Well, I don't know that Nevada is. I mean, some schools are. A lot of schools are. I went to a Big West school. I think the Big West schools all are. But the schools that have the stockpile money are schools that are playing big-time football. I don't think group of five schools I didn't. I haven't seen what you've seen, so maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think group of five schools have a big stockpile of money, and and I think only some of the Power Five do. Um, I'll send you what I read today with on Axios's kind of morning email about um, sports email, um, and I it was interesting. I mean, I, I was stunned. I mean. Are you stunned that Florida and Bama and Texas and Ohio State and Michigan and Nebraska might be sitting on a? I was stunned that a hundred out of a hundred ads that they seemed as, and it was just a survey, and you're just getting their answers to it. But it just struck me that, like, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, just even the kind of just I thought it was really revealing, like, um. I'm trying to think of an answer that they gave, but there was something about, you know, um, 41% of Power 5 AD said they have financial reserve in place to be used for this type of crisis. Right. But 41%? Of, of for the, this type of crisis? Of the 60, uh, I don't know what, 64, 66 Power 5 schools, whatever it is. So, yeah, you are talking about the richest 25 schools. And 26 well, of the group 580. So you're, on your number, 26 of the group 580s. But this is like, and maybe they haven't really felt it yet in the sense that they haven't lost a football season, and so they think they're Well, they haven't. Fine. That's the big deal. They haven't lost a football season. There isn't, the only crisis right now is the loss of the NCAA tournament. And actually, with the cancellation of the spring sports, they're going to save money because very few spring sports make any money they just actually just drain money so they're saving money there go back and revisit that if we decide that there's not going to be not we but they decide there's not going to be a college football season then all that stuff will change but right now i can see where they're coming from because they just had the cancellation of the ncaa tournament and it's offset by saving some money from the spring sports. But if they lose football, then they're in a world of hurt. I think that would be true locally at the U because uh, when the economy crashed a decade ago, Chris Hill, I remember Chris Hill said, we have a rainy day fund and we have determined that it is raining and we're going to use it. And Mark Harlan referenced the rainy day fund, but he also referenced um, what an impact the absence of football would have. So you got a rainy day fund, and that'll get you through some stuff, but I've read that 80% of the TV contract, of every conference's TV contract, is football money, and 20% is men's basketball and whatever else. But 80% is football, so that kind of hit, you better have a heck of a rainy day fund. And, and I suspect that there are a handful of high-end schools that do, but only a handful. They're the minority. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I'll send it, I'll send it both. I just sent both to you. Um, I know. That was interesting. I mean, they also, the other one I thought was interesting is that they, um, a vast majority of them said that they expected revenues to drop 20%, which seemed to me to be kind of, like, I'm surprised that it was not 100%. Um, and then the following was that, you know, after 20, 63% of them said that it would drop 20%, you know, about half of them said, oh, but we're fine. So, whoa. 
So the 20%, I think, is donors who had money on Wall Street or in their business or whatever and can't give, and people who are buying season tickets and because of what's happened with the economy are going to say, well, that's the first thing I have to cut. I can't buy the season tickets now. So I think that's the 20%. I think if football goes away, then the number's way more than a 20% loss. Uh, I'll tell you, I thought it was really interesting. They, they asked him at one point the most at-risk revenue streams, and so the lists were the donors, conference distribution, NCAA distribution, sponsorships, and student fees. Um, I, I would have probably put it in the opposite order that they did. So I thought that was why don't you tweet the link to that story out? Because I'm sure some of the listeners want to read it, too. So put that yeah. out on uh, social media, and uh, then everybody can see it. I don't know. If, so if people don't know my Twitter accounts at Locked On Sports. There it is. There you go. David, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. See you guys. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen's coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk a little college football with him and see if he thinks the Utes' eight wins is the right number. DraftKings putting that out there. Riley's coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. We're starting an awkward Thursday duet. Coach Lou and Coach O sing together. That's right. Talking about uh, LSU and Coach O breaking through. But baby! My name what? The Bayou Bengals know it! You've lost that losing feeling. That's what happens when you go undefeated. Whoa, that losing feeling. I ain't lost a damn thing. You've lost that losing feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa. Gone, gone, gone. Kind of like your coaching career and your broadcasting career. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Dan James from Black Diamond Experts. Dan, good morning. Good morning to you guys. Dan, explain to folks what Black Diamond Experts does and uh, how you're helping given the uh, current situation everyone finds themselves in. Yeah, so we are, we're an essential business. Uh, we provide uh, electrical, heating and air conditioning, uh, plumbing and drain cleaning services uh, across the Wasatch Front. Uh, we, we have offices in uh, Ogden, Salt Lake City, Orem, and, and a, an office down in St. George as well. And uh, we, we, right now our focus is, is taking care of people uh, in, in times of need in their home. We found a lot of people, when they spend a lot more time in their home like they are now, Things uh, seem to break or, or go out more often, and so we're we're prepared and ready to handle any of those situations that come up to make sure everybody can can stay safe and stay comfortable in their homes. So then, what precautions are you taking when you have your people go into other folks' home? Uh, that's a great question. So, with all of our technicians, for one, we every morning we do a screening with them and uh, use use the same screening they do with the hospitals and that type of thing. Uh, all the questions, if there's any fever or any cough or anything like that in their house or for themselves. And then uh, we have them wear gloves and sanitize uh, everything, uh, all their tools that they use in the house. And then they, when they are in the house, they minimize how much, what things they have to touch. They really are just going to be touching the things that they're, they're specifically working on and they have uh, gloves on. And uh, well, when they communicate with the customers, uh, they practicing social distancing, of course, and uh, not shaking hands or anything like that. Uh, 
we also, uh, when we get to the door, we want to talk to the customer and just make sure that there isn't any any uh, dangers that our technician needs to worry about, such as somebody quarantining or somebody that has uh, COVID-19 or anything like that. And, uh, and so that's been working pretty good. We, our, our whole workforce has stayed safe. Our office staff has all been working from home for, for a few weeks now. And so our technicians really are kind of on their own most of the time, uh, you know, going from their house to, uh, to customers' homes and back there, not really spending time at the office or anything like that. Dan James joining us. He's the owner of Black Diamond Experts. They provide electric, plumbing, heating, and air services. You know, as we get to spring and it's time for people to turn the air conditioning on and that, I can see where a lot of people are going to want to, you know, put that off or have other servicing stuff uh, that they might need put off a little bit. What are are some of the dangers with uh, deferring maintenance down the road? Uh, That's a really great question. It's come up a lot. Um, Anything that gets postponed, especially something that really has to be maintenance often, such as your uh, your furnace or your air conditioner, really, if you skip out on that maintenance, it's kind of like driving your car without an oil change or, or without your tires rotated. It's just going to uh, – the inevitable is going to come, and it's going to have an issue. Um, with this upcoming – Spring, uh, your air conditioner, if you think about what it's done in the last uh, you know, few months, it's not out there in the freezing cold going through snow and rain and everything. And when that thing starts up, uh, if it starts up before you guys have had somebody to do a tune-up on it, it's a lot more likely that it's going to uh, you know, have a problem. And a lot of times what we'll see is people will kind of hold off on turning it on for a while, then that hot day finally comes, and they turn it on, and it just uh, immediately has a breakdown of some sort. And then they're in the same boat as a lot of other people that don't have uh, cooling and, and it just slows down the timeline and, and can be more expensive. And so I always recommend getting that preseason tune-up done, uh, even if it's you know a month or you know three weeks before it gets warm or whatever. That way you know it started up right, you know it's good and running good, and uh, you don't have to worry about it once you really need it in the heat. Dan, how do people find Black Diamond online or uh, a phone number to call? Um, yeah, so uh, online, if you just go to just search uh, Black Diamond Experts or BlackDiamondExperts.com, uh, we're all over the internet, obviously. Um, and if you want to give us a call, our number is 801-590-3625. Again, that's 801-590-3625. Dan, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Dan James, Black Diamond Experts, join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen's up next.